It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, February 19th, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The cruise industry in southeast Alaska remains frustrated by Canada's decision to close its ports to large ships for the year, effectively prohibiting anything close to a typical visitor season in 2021. But in 2022, the cruise rebound in ports like Sitka could be staggering. Representatives from the industry outlined some of the barriers to cruising in the coming season and warned about a record surge in the next during a presentation to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Mike Tibbles is with the Cruise Line International Association in Juneau. CLIA represents 17 of the cruise lines that sail in Southeast, from the biggest players in the market to some of the smaller ships. Canada's announcement in early February that it would not open its ports to ships with more than 100 passengers for another year amounted to putting a tourniquet on Alaskan cruising. But he thinks Canada's no-sail order could be revised under the right circumstances. So I think we were a little surprised that it went all the way up to February of 22. Um, but, um, you know, we have been communicating with, with uh, the, continuing to communicate with the Canadian officials. Um, they've indicated that, you know, they're, they're focused on the, the health aspect of the pandemic and that if conditions approve, that an interim order is, is not as, as tough as a regulation to change um, so that that date could potentially be revisited. But it's not just a matter of Canada rescinding its order. Tibbles explained that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control had replaced its own no-sale order with a framework that allows cruising under rigorous safety guidelines that cover everything from single-use berths for crew members, lavatories, to test sailings and safety plans for port communities. Putting a cruise season together under these terms on short notice would be an extraordinary challenge. We have a really uh, high hurdle here. Um, it's going to be extremely difficult to align all of these things. The meeting, you know, getting the guidance from the CDC, meeting those requirements, um, finding some solution to the announcement in Canada, um, and, uh, and then, you know, getting all the plans in place with the local communities before sailing. Even if there was movement from Alaska's congressional delegation for a workaround for the Passenger Vessel Services Act, the law which requires all foreign flagged ships to stop in a foreign port while on their Alaskan itineraries, Tibble said, we have an uphill fight. There could be another kind of fight in 2022, however, if the COVID pandemic is brought under control. The struggle of Southeast communities to keep their heads above water under a deluge of cruise visitors. Chris McGraw runs what was formerly known as the Old Sitka Dock and has now been rebranded as the Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal. He said that Royal Caribbean was adding three ships to its Southeast Alaska itinerary. Uh, Two of those ships will be there uh, quantum class ships, which have passenger capacities in excess of 4,000 passengers. That could push Sitka's cruise visitor count in 2022 to over 400,000, a record for the community. McGraw is investing in a new passenger terminal at his facility, expanding its capacity from just over 2,000 people to something around 9,000. He's upgraded his docks to accommodate two of the 1,100-foot quantum class ships, he wants the rest of Sitka to be ready. Looking forward to 2022, I think Sitka really needs to start planning now to adequately accommodate uh, from both a local perspective and visitor perspective uh, these passenger volumes. 
Um, planning for Centennial Hall needs to be developed to accommodate uh, the, the large shuttle traffic. McGraw said that there could be over 40 days in the summer of 2022 with over 5,000 cruise passengers in town, which would mean running 25 shuttles. He noted that Sitka's downtown Lincoln Street corridor feels crowded when there are only 1,500 passengers in town. And we're going to have days uh, where we're going to have 8,000 passengers and the sidewalks, the traffic, um, that all needs to be improved in my opinion. He recommended that anybody in the industry begin thinking about the issues stemming from such large increases in volume and that local government should begin planning. He said, everyone should be able to enjoy themselves and live in Sitka without feeling like we're being overrun with visitors. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Kodiak man killed while trying to pilot his small plane from Ketchikan to the lower 48 had apparently run out of fuel a few miles from an airport. That's according to federal aviation investigators who on Thursday released preliminary findings of the fatal January 26th crash near Port Angeles, Washington. Authorities haven't named the pilot of the Cessna 170A, but the aircraft's registration and family speaking to the Kodiak Daily Mirror identified the plane's owner and pilot as 38-year-old Sean Hayes of Kodiak. The National Transportation Safety Board says the pilot had taken off from Kodiak the day before and had stopped in Ketchikan to refuel. It says he'd sent multiple text messages to his mother indicating strong headwinds and dense cloud cover over the inside passage. Those were slowing his progress and he was worried that the plane had enough fuel. The report says the pilot reversed course and started to slowly descend around 1,200 feet. He broadcast a mayday call around 4.40 p.m. saying he was ditching the aircraft and could see a boat towing a barge. The NTSB said he texted a photo to his mother of the area, which radar records indicated was less than three miles from the closest land. Coast Guard vessels from the U.S. and Canada used infrared cameras and radar to search for the plane for over two days. By the end, searchers scoured nearly 1,200 square miles before calling off their effort without finding the plane. The NTSB says the pilot's final destination was Lake Havasu, Arizona. A 233-foot floating processor owned by Trident Seafoods caught fire shortly before midnight Wednesday. The processor, Aleutian Falcon, was docked at the port of Tacoma, Washington. Trident has said the vessel is a total loss, according to multiple news outlets. The Aleutian Falcon is one of Trident's two floating processors that operate in Alaska. According to the company's website, the processors follow herring from southeast Alaska to Bristol Bay and then operate in salmon fisheries throughout the summer. It can support 120 crew members. Tacoma Fire Department reported the fire. The department used water to fight the blaze from the pier and three other boats. In an update on Twitter, the department said most of the blaze had been put out, and by 5 p.m., they had successfully removed water from the hull to prevent the vessel from sinking. They said they would be working with a salvage company on a ship remediation plan. Trident has not responded to phone calls or emails requesting comment. Trident has faced a number of challenges since the start of the year. A large COVID-19 outbreak at its huge processing plant on the remote Aleutian island of Akatan has infected more than a third of its workforce and forced the plant to shut down in January, just as a lucrative winter fishing season kicked off. Just a week later, the virus hit another of the fishing giant's processing plants, this time aboard one of the corporation's massive factory trawlers, the Island Enterprise, as it was arriving in Dutch Harbor. 
Governor Mike Dunleavy announced earlier this month that he'd be asking Alaska voters to approve borrowing $356 million as part of a bond to replace aging state infrastructure. But as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, Southeast projects make up a very small fraction of the governor's list. Capital projects in Sitka and a few other Southeast communities make up about 7 percent of the governor's proposal. And some mid-sized communities like Wrangell and Petersburg were left out entirely. Wrangell's public safety building is falling apart. It desperately needs, at the very least, major renovations. We don't have a choice. It has to be done. We had to put up a shoring wall because the back side of the building was unsafe and was in danger of collapsing. If the community had the funding, says city manager Lisa Von Bargen, it should be replacing the building entirely. But the estimated cost for a total rebuild overshoots the community's budget by millions. So, Wrangell's administration and borough assembly approved its list of capital projects priorities this year, with a $10 million renovation to the public safety building at the top of the list. Von Bargen says the hope is that Governor Mike Dunleavy's proposed $356 million GO bond will cover some of the costs to make the building safe. The governor's initial proposal doesn't mention Wrangell. In fact, projects for named communities in Southeast make up about 7% of the state's bond. The bond would add to statewide maintenance funds that could be dispersed to Southeast communities, though. Am I looking to change some things? Yeah, definitely. That's Ketchikan Independent Representative Dan Ortez. His district includes Wrangell and most of the lower panhandle. He says there are some pressing needs in his district. The hydroelectric intertie between Metlakatla and Ketchikan is just one priority. But Ortez is also cautious about the governor's strategy of borrowing money. I think there's a little bit of concern and uh, kind of a wait-and-see attitude, um, see if we can come to a consensus as to whether or not it truly is in our best interest to indebt us further into the future, uh, with the positive side being we could begin to take care of some of these um, significant deferred maintenance issues that we see around the state. State Senator Bert Stedman says he agrees. The Sitka Republican says with all the federal aid and funding for capital projects likely available, he doesn't know if this is the time to add debt. I'm not convinced that the time to use what bonding capacity we have is today versus a couple years from now when we may have less uh, financial ability to maneuver and there was less cash on hand. Stedman also questions whether borrowing heavily would jumpstart Southeast's economy, which is largely tied to natural resources and tourism. In other words, the construction projects aren't going to help fish prices and fish processing, or it's not going to help uh, cruise ship visitors. If approved by the legislature and Alaska voters, the proposal would be Alaska's first statewide bond in almost 10 years. Before state lawmakers can even start to discuss and negotiate this bond proposal, though, they'll need to pass a state operating budget. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition.